So, Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome into another episode of So Rare in the States. My name is Chris, the MLS card guy. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Nashi. How are you today, Nashi? Doing well, mate. I'm in, um, I'm in a recovery phase because, as you know, I went to Orlando. It was a very, very fun weekend, but uh, a long one, and it took its toll. My voice has gone a bit today, so you'll have to bear with me with that. But it was a, it was a great time. I'm sure we'll get into that later. But, um, but yeah, good weekend nonetheless. How did uh, your weekend go? Yeah, we will definitely get into that a little bit later. Obviously, you had that. I am headed to New York this week uh, for the same reason. The storm that is John Nellis has come to the United States, and we are all just trying to uh, get into the shine of his glory uh, as much as we can. Uh, my weekend was pretty good. Didn't do too much. Got a chance to just kind of relax a little bit. Our team was out on the road. But most of my teams got spanked this weekend. Our teams uh, on Slow Rare didn't do too well. So um, there have been better weekends, but it was also very relaxing. And we are definitely ready for a busy week ahead this week. Um, but that being said, I did get to watch a few games this week. Um, so I'm actually going to start with Toronto and Cincinnati. Um, so Toronto, Cincinnati. I was impressed with how well since he was organized. Toronto has been kind of an under-the-radar team for me. They have a lot of decent pieces. Bob Bradley is really starting to kind of put them together. They had some really impressive wins. I believe they went like to New York City and almost got a result. They were they lost 5-4 um, to kind of end a really, really good stretch. So I kind of expected Toronto to come in and just kind of dominate this game at home, kind of pick things up. Alec Khan obviously being out. Um, since he did get to use their brand new DP defensive midfielder for about 20-25 minutes, didn't make a huge impact from what I saw, but hopefully he will be able to get adjusted to the league a little bit um, and, and kind of really step that defense up. But the defense was pretty good throughout the entire day. Um, Haglund, who's a guy that I've owned, I actually just sold him this weekend, um, got an assist against his former team, Toronto. Um, they will actually play again here on Wednesday in Cincinnati, which is kind of a weird scheduling quirk that two teams will play each other twice within four days, um, one home, one road. But really, really impressed with Cincinnati. Um, and uh, I, I think we're starting to see those signs that I maybe was – kind of projecting that they would be a little bit better. It's kind of taken the coaching staff a little while to get into these guys a little bit, but I'm really starting to see some some positive signs from Cincinnati. They're not that far, you know, adrift from the playoff line. They may even be in the playoff line now. Um, the, the entire Eastern Conference is just so kind of bunched up, but uh, it, really, really interesting game, and, and we'll definitely have to keep an eye on Cincy going forward. With Cincy there, um, I see that Brenner got the start up front on his own. Mm -hmm. And obviously, um, Brandon Vasquez had a good start to the season. Do you think they're, yeah. they're going to rotate between the two? Do you think they can fit them both in? Or is Brenner um, going to be the main man over there? That's a great question. So Vasquez has been hurt. That's why 
Brenner kind of got back into the good graces, got back into the starting lineup. I was not overly impressed with Brenner. He wasn't super influential in the game. However, that being said, they did, you know, have a decent attack going forward. As far as I know, they play two strikers. So it's Brenner, it's Vasquez, and it's Dom Badgie. Two of those three guys are pretty much going to start every single game. And it seems like Brenner is the third guy at this point. Once Vasquez comes back, I think he's going to take that spot. But I think it is a very fluid situation. So it's definitely one to watch. Brenner obviously has tons and tons of talent. If he ever does kick on, watch out because his price could skyrocket. He might be a decent you know, lottery ticket type guy because if he does bang in a few goals, people are going to say, oh, he's back. But it, I just don't see it on the field for me right now to believe that he's going to be getting back to that level anytime soon. What about um, on Toronto's side? So um, kind of pick your brain here a bit. I've got Insigne, as you know, and I'm pretty excited yeah. for him to end the season with Napoli in a few games and get over. And I'm debating pairing him up with another teammate. Mm-hmm. And I've got the choice between Pozuelo and Jimenez. What's your gut telling you will be better for the uh, SO5? And Because uh, it's kind of a tricky one. I feel like there's a chance. Yeah. Pozuelo is a very good scorer. He's sort of proven, obviously, a top player. Very creative. But I'm trying to kind of weigh up whether Insigne is going to take away some of that creative responsibility. And he'll actually be better off with Jimenez, who's going to be on the end of uh, you know some set pieces, some crosses, etc. So what, what would your thoughts on that be? Another really fantastic question. You had a lot of time to think on the plane, didn't you, Nashi? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. Um, Pasuelo, obviously very, very good. You you mentioned that he's the creator of the side. I assume Insigne will kind of vulture a little bit of that and kind of take a little bit of that. So Jimenez is probably the guy that I would end up going with. However, Jimenez just got his first cards, so he's probably way overpriced. So I might just take a beat and wait and uh, see when if if him and as his price drops if he continues to bang in goals like he is now I don't know that his price will drop but I would probably pair Insigne with Jimenez the other option there obviously you have Pozuelo but you could actually pair with Jonathan Osorio Osorio has been phenomenal this season uh I actually own Osorio which is how I know he's been this good he got kind of a cheeky clearance off the line credit for a decisive this week, but he's had decisives a bunch this year already. Um, I think he's got like two goals and four assists, some, something like that. And he has been absolutely phenomenal. He always puts up a decent all-around score, so when he does get a decisive, he's putting up 80, you know, 85 points. Whereas if you take a guy like Jimenez, yeah, he's going to put up decisives probably more often than Osorio will. But he's not probably going to put up that all-around score to get you really, really big scores. So if you ask a uh, good friend of the show, Bob Orangefly on uh, on So Rare, he'll tell you you want those 80-85 type guys to to really go for it and really have big, big games. And I think Osorio is is kind of flying under the radar a little bit. He's actually not that expensive. He's just over 0.1 now for the rare side. Um, so I have been kind of waiting and holding on Osorio and, and honestly just playing. He's won almost all of the rewards I've won this year have been with Jonathan Osorio. And he's not a guy that I think Insigne really takes away from. I think Osorio is actually going to be helped by Insigne. He'll have more space to operate in the midfield because teams will be so worried about Insigne. And I think Pozuelo, to a certain degree, will be that as well. 
but I don't think you're going to have both Insignia and Pasuelo kind of roaming around and, and, and trying to get on and trying to create stuff. So I think I'm more comfortable with Osorio if you want to put, pair a midfielder, but Jimenez is probably my guy if you want to go forward. Yeah, good stuff. That's interesting. Um, did you catch any other games over the weekend? Yeah, so I was kind of flipping back and forth. I watched the entire Toronto-Cincinnati, and I was able to watch a little bit of the first half and then most of the second half of the Atlanta-Montreal game, which was going on at the same time. And Atlanta just looks totally dead to me. I just It doesn't make any sense at all. They have so many pieces that should be so dangerous going forward. If anything, I would have concerns about them defensively, but I really don't have concerns about them defensively. They're small, so they kind of can get beat on set pieces, and Montreal is a big team, and and that's something they pointed out on the telecast that I never really considered. Montreal is kind of grinding out results and grinding out games. And I don't think people realize Montreal like didn't have a point for the first, I don't know, three, four games. They were at the very bottom while they were in the CCL. And they are all the way back up into second or third right now in the Eastern Conference. It's kind of ridiculous how hot Montreal has been. And we're not really talking about them at all and giving them any credit. But for me, I think the worrying signs are on the on the Atlanta side. It just seems like without just Martinez, there's no one to put the ball in the back of the net. And they have seven creators on the field and nobody who can actually finish. So uh, I am a little bit worried about about, about Atlanta. I definitely want to see what they end up doing with their summer transfer because I think they need some think, help. Do you think, obviously, Luis Araujo is slowly coming back from an injury there. Do you think he yeah. can be fill the boots um, in terms of the goal load of Martinez? Or do you just think it's kind of like that Man City thing that when people are critical of them, it's more like there's some beautiful football, there's a lot of nice touches, talent. But sometimes yeah. you just need that guy who's just going to stand there and just bury it, be a bit selfish, be a bit single-minded. And they're just kind of missing that when Martinez isn't there because he's kind of, whatever you might say about him, he, he definitely wants to score goals, you know. That's kind of his MO. Yeah. And um, Wants to score goals easy. and does score goals, right? Like he's absolutely, when he's on and he's healthy, he's unplayable at times. And I think a lot of times Atlanta, is, especially I've, I've watched the last couple of weeks, a lot of times with them, it seems like you're right. There's beautiful touches. There's beautiful combinations, but it's all in the midfield. It's never really in the attacking third. They don't really have that. They're not getting deep enough into the final third before they try that killer pass. You know, they're, they're trying a killer pass from midfield and it, it gets through, but then they're still in a whole other line of defense. They're only getting through the midfield. Um, so I, I, I just, you know, without Joseph Martinez there to garner attention, to be a focal point, honestly, to just move the point of attack forward they just don't have that guy who's going to get into the box and put the ball in the back of the net it doesn't look to me like this guy Cisneros is that guy Dom Dwyer's been hurt he could be that guy potentially we haven't seen it in four or five years but he has been that type of guy in the past but to me it, it, it has yeah. to be a summer transfer like it has to be somebody else that they grab yeah, looking at them away from home too, they they obviously have a ton of talent. I think they will find whatever they're looking for. But they're, they're kind of a team that's... Obviously, they've lost some leadership. Guzan and um, Ozzy in the midfield. And right. you've got Robinson there. Franco's kind of been in and out. And then their front sort of five or six players are all South American-based, which obviously isn't a bad thing. But, you know, you come to the States, you're, they're younger guys going away from home. Sometimes that just has a sort of warming up period that these these foreign, these younger guys 
when you need someone to grab the game by the scruff of the neck in the final third, um, maybe they're just not quite, no one's ready to step up yet. And that might take some time, but I fully expect them with the talent they got um, over the course of the season to, to, to make it right, you know. Hopefully yeah. Araujo can come in and do the business for them. But yeah, they're an interesting team to watch. Um, yeah. The other thing about a lot of people is Bobby Shuttleworth, he's had a couple starts. He hasn't, he hasn't kept a clean sheet, but he hasn't made any um, errors really. He couldn't do much about any of the goals. He's looked pretty confident back there. Do you expect him to stay in there? Obviously, they've brought back, I believe, a former younger player. Um, I, I think he seems like he's going to be the backup. Is that correct? Or is there anything to report? Yeah, I, I didn't actually see. Did they bring back Roko Rios Novo? Is that is that who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm 99% sure. That makes a lot of sense because I, I actually – I was really – on on board with just kind of stashing him early in the season but then he went back to i don't know argentina or, or wherever he went and and you know just kind of I, I never got around to actually getting a roca rios novo on my team i think he's a good goalkeeper i think obviously he's like 18 or 19 so he's got a lot of u23 eligibility i kind of assumed that he was the heir apparent to guzan but he's not ready yet. He he's kind of like USL level. He's not really ready to be a number one at this point. And it, it, all of the guys that they were linked with to get another goalkeeper all seem like backups to me, which kind of makes sense. I think I think they're ready to just give Bobby Shuttleworth the keys here, let him see, you know, let let's see what he can do for for this season, and then we'll kind of reassess in the off season when we have a little bit more time. And I, and like I said, I think their bigger problem is up up top. I mean, really, their their main problems are kind of Miles Robinson has not been playing well at the back. Everybody else at the back has been pretty good. And then up top with Joseph Martinez getting hurt, I think, has, has been their main problem. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Araujo definitely does help um, quite a bit. He is probably the best player on that team, I think, as far as I've seen so far, at least. Um, one of these young guys could obviously break out and, and be very, very good, but... I think Araujo's is probably going to be the the guy there that, that they kind of lean on. But he did not have a great game uh, this past week. I don't know if he's – I mean, he's obviously still working back from being injured. I don't know if that played a part or if he just, you know, didn't have a great game. So, yeah, Atlanta's an interesting one. Definitely one to watch. The other thing with Atlanta, I had kind of targeted them a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, because I saw the schedule, and it just seemed like easy game after easy game. They played Miami. They played – you know, Charlotte, they played Montreal, they played Chicago, they play Chicago this next weekend, and they play Chicago this yeah. next weekend with two red cards coming up, I believe, right? Didn't didn't Chicago get a couple guys sent off? We'll, we'll talk about them because it was the Duran red card was one of the, one of the softest cards I've ever seen. I don't know. Did you see that? Did you see that? I did not. Quote that got him sent off. I did not. I did not. It was wild. He's just. I can't even explain it because it sounds absurd, but he just was literally holding the guy off with his hand in, in like a palm to the chest. Like you see it a hundred times in any game around the world. Yeah. And the refs just, just had a mad one and just pulled it, gave him a second yellow for it. And he's a young kid. He's, he's, he looked, he looked lively actually, Duran. He's, I think he's like 18, come from South America too. He was in because Caspar uh, um, was out for the game and, he, he, yeah, he looked lively, and yeah, literally a nothing challenge. Second uh, yellow changed the game, and then the Chichos card was second yellow was legitimate. He slid in. He committed too early, and the field was really wet. I think that game got delayed for like a um, a weather concern. They came back, and it was a really wet field, 
Yeah. And it was a pretty stupid challenge for such an experienced player. But yeah, so they'll they'll be missing him uh, for the next game as well as a striker unless Casper's back, which I'm not sure of. But yeah, they really blew that game. Um, one nil up, and then two reds, lose two one. The sec the the winning goal, the penalty was very very suspect. And hmm. I know we've joked about like the refereeing in the MLS, but this was. I mean, I I, I would encourage you to just watch the highlights of this game. It was very very. I, I was in a bar with uh, Harry Trades. Um, you probably all know, and we were watching, we were watching the last bit of the game. We saw the challenge and. And yeah, I was not happy. It was a very soft, soft decisions against Chicago. But I guess that goes. I mean, they're yeah, they're on a bit of a slide at the minute. It's not looking good as a fan. I mean, they've got some pieces coming in. Jairo Torres. I saw the coach said that he should be in contention for the next game. He's hoping to have him for the next match. There, it's more dependent mm-hmm. on paperwork issues than anything else. And um, I don't know if you saw this, but this Christopher Mueller has been heavily linked with them. Um, is there any? Do you remember him as a player? He went over to Hibs. Is there? Uh, That's wild. He just left Orlando City. Like literally, just left there this off season. Um, he was with Orlando for a while, and then he had <clears throat> he was signed to Hibs for like a year before. Uh, I mean, it was like a pre contract, but it was like a long pre contract, if I remember correctly, because we all knew he was going to Scotland, and now he's potentially. Obviously, it's not confirmed yet. Now he's coming back potentially to Chicago. Obviously, they'll have to work out a deal with Orlando. But yeah, I mean, he was a—he's kind of a feisty like little player. Like he's—he's he's got some you know attitude to him, which I think could be helpful with Chicago. Um, just kind of runs a lot, you know, not overly technical, not overly skillful, but he's a solid piece. Like he's a solid MLS player, just not you know he's not a superstar. But what he'll position be, will he? Maybe a winger. Really, yeah, he's a winger. Yeah, yeah, they do need kind of them legs, um, Chicago, because they really struggle to stretch the play. When I watch them, they got a lot of talent. Obviously, they got Shakiri, Kaspar up front, but they're really struggling to sort of create the space for um, Shakiri in there, Gaston Jimenez, and with Jairo Torres coming in, maybe they need a, a willing runner um, out wide. I've, I've thought that for a while, just to. Yeah. Just to stretch the back line to create spaces for all the other creative players. And if you if he does come, obviously it's not confirmed yet as of the time of recording, but if you've got um, Shakiri, you've got Pyro Torres, you've got Casper up front, and then you've got another effective piece. Now you're looking at that front four and they look it looks there's some creativity there. Um, there's yeah. some some potential there to get some goals, which is where they've really been struggling. Navarro's come back in the team and he's very, very defensive minded and very aggressive. And I'm kind of hoping that helps Gaston Jimenez push forward a little bit into more of an eight role rather than like the kind of double double CDM, double pivot or whatever you want to call it they've been going with so far. So yeah, it's a um it's not looking great in Chicago, but there are some little flickers of hope uh for us fans there. They've just been so defensive and lacked creativity up to now. Um, so if they can get it going going forward, then then they, yeah, I still believe they have they have a run. Like you said, it's so close in that conference. Another team what? that um, I watched this weekend. Well, who, real real quick before we move on from Chicago, what do you think about the Gaga Slonina rumors? Because it's it's been rumored that obviously Chelsea were interested, but uh, Fabrizio Romano today posted that a host of European top clubs are working on it. Slonina is now close to making decision on his next club. What do you think about potentially losing Gaga? I don't. Um, as an 
I'm not an owner of his card, but there's still like that outside chance. I think if at, he's so young that like playing time's so invaluable. So I think that even if he does get signed to Europe, I think they will make an agreement for him to probably loan the rest of the season, maybe loan him out. for like, He's not going to be playing at Chelsea ahead of Mendy anytime soon. You know, he might be a big talent. So it's kind of one of them where you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally, I don't have him, so it's maybe it's easy to say, but I wouldn't panic on the rumours and think you're getting a DMP keeper. Obviously that is a risk, but it would make most sense for a club like that to sort of, he's already playing first team football, that experience for a goalkeeper is tough to get. So you think they'd arrange something to, to keep on his development there. But yeah, I mean, it's exciting for, for the MLS, it's exciting for Chicago, it's exciting for him that being linked with teams like Chelsea at such a young age, and it kind of shows that you can bring through the talent um, over here too. So, I mean, it's 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 all good. Yeah, you could be a bit nervous as an owner, but I, I'd, I'd kind of think that there's a good chance he gets a loan anyway. So, um, are you, do you think the same Does, sort of thing, or is there anything you wanted to add there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion at this point that he moves this summer. The the real big question here is, does he stay in Chicago for the rest of the season? I think you're right. I think they probably would keep him in Chicago for at least this season and maybe even part, the first part of next season, let him come in 2023, fall of 2023, and let him compete for a job at that point. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think you're wrong there. Does this change your valuation of a guy like Wyatt Omsberg or a guy like Chico's or any of the defenders for Chicago, does this kind of downgrade them for you or, or are you not too worried about it? I'm not too worried. Uh, I mean, I watch all the games for him and he's a good good goalkeeper. And like for his age, he's very good. But that's not uh, he's not the reason they're keeping all the clean sheets. He's part of it. And obviously, like if they don't get, uh, I'm assuming they'll get some good money for him. So if they can't replace him, um, effectively, then yeah, they'll lose out a bit. But it's more Chicago tactically and sort of the way they set up is why they're so effective defensively. Um, they they really kind of sit back. They don't leave many spaces. <clears throat> Excuse me. Chicho's is a very good leader back there. And um, yeah, so he's not like the fundamental piece. Like we spoke about um, Philadelphia and how good Andre Blake is, you know, yeah. like single-handedly yeah. some keeping him in games. I don't, it hasn't been a case of that, but obviously if you lose a big, big, important player, especially midway through the season, that's going to have an impact. So hopefully as a fan, he doesn't, he, he stays, he stays there in Chicago, but um, yeah, it is exciting. It's exciting times. Yeah. Well, speaking of Andre Blake single-handedly keeping a team in the game, Philadelphia kind of ruined the party for, for Nashville. They had opened their brand new stadium, largest soccer-specific stadium in the United States or Canada. A uh, little over 30,000 people that they can put into that stadium. Um, by all accounts, you know, beautiful new stadium. I heard it wasn't really anything super special, just kind of very basic and kind of, you know, they're very much about the acoustics in Nashville, being Music City and everything. So I heard that the acoustics were really good and, and they have like a stage that they can perform and everything, which is which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, what did you think of, uh, of Philly and, and Nashville kind of going toe to toe and, and what kind of felt like, at least to me, kind of felt like a heavyweight clash, like two just very, very good tactically sound teams just kind of slugging it out with each other. Yeah. Well, I, um, I actually was flying back from the, uh, from Orlando to LA and they had the ESPN on, on the flight. So I was buzzing. Um, I got to watch the whole game 
And yeah, I was very interested because like we spoke about before, I've watched a few Nashville games and very tactically, they've been very, very defensive, especially on the road. And I was kind of wondering how they would approach games once they get their new stadium. They're at home. They've got the fans behind them. Because, you know, it's hard to sort of sit back when your fans are there cheering you on. You know, like the fans want to see attacking football, you're having a go. And in that first half, um, Nashville came out firing. They could have been two or three up, honestly. I think they hit the post a couple of times. And like we said, Andre Blake made some incredible, incredible saves to keep it uh, nil-nil. And, yeah, I was impressed by Nashville's start. But like we said, yeah, Philadelphia seemed to me like a, a more like one of them wily teams. You know, they stayed in the game by hook or by crook. And they slowly started to sort of, they weathered the storm and started to grind Nashville down. And then they got a nice goal on a counterattack. Um, the striker, um, Ure. Ure, yep. He ran in the channel and he just chopped uh, Zimmerman, sent him for a cup of tea and then a nice finish. And Walker Zimmerman, just while we're on that, he's he is a quality player. And I was kind of looking at him and so rare-wise this year, he's not quite hit them heights. Do you think that... What, what do you think happened to him? What's been the difference between maybe last season and this season with him specifically? Because you can tell he's a he's a leader, he's a good player, he's aggressive, but he's just kind of... Yeah, he's not quite hitting them heights. He's not quite... You know, he got beat. He, it was a tough spot he was in. He was running back to goal, but I don't know, I don't know, you saw the goal. He kind of got beat a little too easy, I think. Um, do you have any reason why that might be with Walker? Or is it just kind of a dip in form that happens to most players? Yeah, I mean, on the goal itself, he just just kind of overran it. Just kind of thinking Ure was going to take it wide, and, and Ure was a great cut and just beat him. As far as his overall value, I think being on the road definitely contributes. You're 100% correct. Nashville has been bunkered down and just kind of hanging out, trying not to lose games, trying to stay competitive in, in the Western Conference while they've been on this huge road trip. And a lot of Walker's value is on... And, and this is not something that you would really see too much, but just having watched a lot of his games, a lot of his value is like corner kicks. He'll he'll he's a monster on corner kicks, and he'll just get shot on goal. You know, he'll he'll pick up four or five points from a shot on goal. That isn't really happening when you're backed up in your own end the entire game. And a lot of the value is you know kind of being sucked up by the midfielders and the fullbacks. They're not really letting when when they're that deep. They're not really letting him get the tackles and the interceptions and all of that kind of thing. That is a lot of times you'll see that more when he's more when they're more forward as a team and teams try to counter on them. He is phenomenal in transition and obviously he gives up the goal in transition, so it's not helping my point at all. Um, but I, I think it's a little bit just tactics, a little bit just maybe a little fatigue from playing all the U.S. men's national team games um, and, and kind of going on the road and and just flying everywhere as you know the travel in the u.s is no joke and especially when you're talking about a team from nashville tennessee that's been playing in seattle and vancouver and la and all these different places it's no joke yeah. to fly out there every single week um yeah that's a really good point and like i, I do yeah. think like what you said as well it's like also a bit like the ix thing that happens is when you are sitting deep and sort of parking the bus as you as we say you're like it's referring to the so rare matrix as well. I assume you're he's losing possession just that little bit more because he might just be he's got nobody yeah. to find yep. when he's made that interception. He's just sort of getting rid of it. 
And yeah, I think that um, he, his quality will show through. I, I was actually debating picking one up because I don't. I think right now, if ever, his price is probably pretty good relative to where it has been. Yeah. Um, and he's fallen obviously in a little dip. So I was yeah, honestly was thinking the same thing, exactly the same thing. Yeah. I was thinking about Willis and maybe picking up, you know, maybe Maher or Romney with. Um, with Walker and going for a little defensive stack because uh, actually their schedule looked pretty good too coming up. I think they have a few nice matchups that, that they should be able to take advantage of. So Back to the game. Um, so they go one new up Philadelphia and then that kind of suits them too because, you know, like they're, they're pretty crafty on the counterattack. Um, so I was a bit worried for Nashville at that point. But to be fair to them, they, they kept going to the end and they, they forced a penalty. Um Kind of a random handball, but um, and Randall Yao stepped up and took it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's one of their main men, and he, he's he was a, he's really good in the game. He's sort of feisty, technical, like aggressive, and him and Mukhtar are kind of the from where I'm sitting, they're key creative pieces, um, kind of playing off the of Sapong. Um, but I was surprised Mukhtar didn't take the penalty yeah. um, relating to Sorry. I don't know if it was just a one-off or. Um, but yeah, we spoke about Liao before as kind of being one of them guys who's a really good player. He's pretty much a nailed on starter. And if they do start creating more, he will be in and amongst it. So maybe he's one to watch out for too, especially if he's on penalty kicks. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, that was, was game, that, that was one thing too, with, with them being so bunkered in, Liao was actually playing as a center mid. He wasn't even attacking mid. So really he was way, way out of position, way out of his depth. And, um, yeah, he, he in, ends up taking the penalty over Mukhtar. I believe they said on, on the broadcast that that's because Mukhtar missed one a, a little while ago. So they were giving Leal a chance. I think Mukhtar is probably still going to take most of the pens. Um, and I'm kind of surprised he didn't take the first, you know, because that was the first goal at the new stadium. So it's going to go down in the history books. Kind of surprised I didn't let Hani Mukhtar take that one. But yeah, I mean, Leal dispatches the penalty really well. Andre Blake almost saved it, actually, um, which would have been absolutely absurd. And then had another penalty shout in like the 90th minute. And in my opinion, really should have had a second penalty. You're right. Both of them are just kind of innocuous little handballs that didn't really affect the game too much. But both were pretty clear handballs that were both kind of outstretched. And the referee went yeah. to the video board and, and didn't over, didn't overturn it, which I thought was wild. Yeah, well, more because, like, I yeah, like, I can see in theory, like, individually, they can both go kind of either way, depending on the interpretation. It was almost like two very similar things happened. So, like, because he gave the first one, I was thinking as well, he's going to definitely give the second one. It's pretty much the same. Yeah. And then, like, I wonder whether, like, his human judgment was like, oh, it was kind of like a softish call on the first one. So he just kind of, like, lent the other way a little bit on the second one. Do you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. in terms of consistency, it was a weird, weird decision, I agree. But it would have been a little harsh for Philadelphia to, to concede two like that, you know. A uh, thousand percent. Like but, uh, yeah, it would have yeah, been it, it would have been very harsh, but at the same time, they're both and balls. Like you're in the box, your hand hits it when your arm is outstretched. Whether Nashville was really going to score from that play or not, they weren't going to score from either play. But whether, I mean, that's irrelevant. You're in the box and and you have your arm out and it hits your arm. That's a penalty, you know. I agree, mate. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the DC Columbus game, or do you want to uh, quickly? Uh... Oh, we don't need to talk it. No one needs to. No one needs to hear that. Um, we do have to give a shout out to our guest uh, from last week, John from Predictology. 
he was all over Columbus to uh, put up some goals. And I think he even called that Etienne Jr. would be on the score sheet. He was on the score sheet. So hopefully you listen to John. We'll have more to say about predictology as we get towards the end of the show. All right. Um, yeah, was there any other games you want to touch on before the, uh, the elephant in the room? Because obviously I went to an MLS game this weekend. Yeah, um, I think we should get into that one because that that was uh, definitely what I wanted to what I wanted to hear about you getting to meet everybody, and I'm obviously going to go and get to do that on Wednesday in New York. So, yeah, how was how was Orlando? How was the game? How was I was meeting everybody? Yeah, it was one of them things that was. It feels really natural, like same when when we met up for the Atlanta game. You're chatting before you interact with all these people, but only when I was on the flight out there, LAX to Orlando is like a four and a half five hour uh, flight. I was sat there and I, you know, I said bye to my wife and everything. And I realized I'm flying thousands of miles to meet up with these guys. Where I've never met a single one of them, you know. It's wild. And it kind of, this is kind of strange, even though it didn't feel strange, but you know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, we got there and it felt just like when we met. Within a few minutes, you're meeting everyone. You feel like you've known them for years. And yep. um, yeah, it was a really good time. Really good to, you know, meeting people from all over the world really people would all come in from different areas different walks of life um all, all top top guys and i think so who, really who all was there people. who all was there and where were they all from oh it was 14 people but um obviously the first when i first got there i met john and uh, he came over from with hg um and hg is the owner of so Rare data mm, so we all cool. got there the so when I arrived, it was just them two and PSU fans who kind of organized the trip. So big shout out to him. He did a lot of work behind the scenes um, to make it happen for everybody. So, yeah, um, and then we went to like a brewery and then throughout the day, people were flying in and showing up. Um, Led, Andy, there was Trippin' B, who's a big Charlotte fan, obviously. So yeah, um, that was pretty funny at the game. Um, yeah, it, there was Jimmer. There was fourteen of us there, basically. Duncan from the community um, and friend and, yeah, of the show, Harry really Trades, great. was there, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We got Harry, yeah, he, our former he guest. Yeah. He was your roommate. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just uh, all guys that you know, all good, top, top guys. We had a brilliant time. Um, and then, yeah, the, the game was actually a night game, so we got to explore the city a little bit before get had a few beers before the game. The stadium itself was lovely, um, really sort of, they had like a activity, sort of a festival atmosphere outside. And then getting into the game itself, it was a very, very slow start for um, from Charlotte. The, the first half of Charlotte there was, um, yeah, you couldn't find many positives. It was pretty poor. And they, they were 1-0 down deservedly. And then the second goal on the stroke of halftime was was criminal really from a defensive standpoint they had a corner just before half time so you know they got they got a chance to get back in the game maybe end on a sort of bit of pressure and within 15 seconds or something them taking their corner they've been done on the counter-attack with one long ball and they're, they're going in two nil down so yeah I was talking to Trippin at half time and obviously from a Charlotte standpoint it wasn't looking very good at that point but it was in the same breath I don't know whether there was some crosswords exchanged at half time, but they came out a lot more positive in the second half and actually found a way back into the game uh, with a penalty kick. It was it looked a little bit of a soft penalty, but like it's one of them where it, it kind of you kind of gotta give it. It was kind of a penalty still, you know? Yeah. Um, it was kind of a collision 
at speed and yeah it was it was a penalty they got back in the game and they kind of they gave it a good run at the end i would say on balance orlando deserved the win they had like a little bit more quality we'll get in some of their players in a moment but yeah that was sort of run down of the game um from from an orlando standpoint a guy that you told me about um a while back facundo torres was Class. a clear standout player he was Class. the clear standout player. he was he was just silky he was sharp he was he didn't lose the ball he was you know he was really really stood out for a man of, of his age and a player of his age and someone who yeah before you told me i hadn't, I hadn't watched too much of him him and Perea were the real creative talents um from an orlando standpoint then they had cara up front and cara was a lot bigger in real life than than i thought he was but he kind of he's not the most mobile um mm. not that that's a bad thing but he's going to be a guy who i expect to get he'll get goals in that team they actually look like a good creative team they had a nice balance but he's not going to be racking up a ton of aa by what i saw from him because he's kind of a big target man strong he's a presence he didn't have his best game but you can he's going to score goals in the mls you can tell he's like he's a big formidable number nine player i really liked um that stood out that i didn't know basically anything about before was Janssen at the back, big number six. And uh, he got an assist on the day, but he was, yeah, he was just a big presence, a big Viking-looking guy. I think he's <laughs> Swedish. Yeah. And he was aggressive. He was dominant on the pitch. And he was stepping out the back with the ball, carrying it, trying to drive his team forward. So I'm not sure how that translates on Sorry, I'd assume it's pretty good. But he was, in terms of a player uh, on the eye, he was, he was very, very much a standout too. Um, is there anyone anyone else you were curious about on the Orlando team there? Um, I mean, the other real big one is Pedro Galese, uh, the goalkeeper who potentially could start at the World Cup for Peru. Um, and then I don't, to be honest with you, I didn't even watch the game. I, I should have with, you know, 15 people that I know there. Um, but I, I didn't actually get a chance to watch it. Did Jao Matinho start? Uh, I think he's a left back for Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he did. We were kind of joking because he's like he's a bit of a doppelganger for um, Jao Cancelo. So if he's mm. if he's half as good as him, he, he might be a player. But yeah, he he was solid. Um, a couple of the guys who were there, I think, actually have his um, super rare and unique. So there was there was a bit of a sweat on him. <laughs> um, from Charlotte, Charlotte actually had a couple of players that I like the look of. Um, they had this little number eight uh, Alcivar in the midfield, and I think he's under twenty three, and he was. Very confident on the ball, like he, uh, it's hard to explain. But he, he, he was. They were not having a good game, and but he kept looking for the ball. He kept getting on it, and he was kind of trying to make decisive passes um, to break the lines. And and this is an, kind of an observation. We, I've watched two Charlotte games in the flesh now, and they've got Swiderski up front, and he is a cut above. He's brilliant. He's the real deal. But I don't know. They just kind of struggle to to kind of break. Yeah, break the lines to move the ball up the pitch quickly. Um, I don't know whether that's a formation thing because they're kind of going with a diamond and they had Fuchs at left back and he's not going to be breaking any sort of speed records getting up the wing and supporting. Um, yeah, so I don't know whether it's a formation thing they could maybe play around with. Maybe they don't quite have the pieces yet to do that. Yeah. Um, but like I said, credit to them in the second half. They came out and they showed some character and it could have easily been a blowout. It was an awful first half. And um, and yeah, so I still think there's some hope for the Charlotte fans out there. I still think they got some stuff to build on. Um, but yeah, they just looked a bit stuck 
treat him too much. Um, but they definitely don't have that. They don't have that six that that you know deep line playmaker type of guy. And I think that's <laughs> when you really look at, a, at some of the good teams around the league. Like Seattle has Joe Paolo, Columbus has Nagby. Like some of these guys are, are just flat out elite, and and Charlotte does not have that whatsoever. Yeah, and another really cool thing that happened was um, so we the MLS actually um, Dan from So Rare. Um, sorted out via the MLS to get everybody. We all got a kind of a goodie bag. We got a Orlando shirt and a scarf um, from the gift store there for free for all the guys who were there. So we're all getting together and taking pictures and that at the end of the game. And just by pure coincidence, another guy comes and approaches the group, and he was a so rare manager, and he recognised us wow. <laughs> all from the from the community. So that was really cool, and it and it kind of made me think like yeah, like down the line maybe in a few years. Um, you know, you'll be at games and people be you, it'll be noticeable. People will be checking their lineups, and so rare will be like integrated into the live football soccer experience. So that's kind of a cool. Both of them things were a cool little touch. But, are are you yeah, ready? Yeah. Are you ready to be famous, Nashi? I don't think I'm ready for the limelight. I was with the big boys there, so I kind of took my place in the pecking order. But <laughs> now, like honestly, everyone couldn't have been nicer. Like the whole trip was, yeah, it felt like an, an old reunion or like a bachelor party or whatever you want to call it where like it didn't feel like 14 strangers from like an internet soccer card game had got together it felt really good comfortable i think everybody had a great time so yeah another so rare meetup I'm, I'm sure there'll be plenty more in the future and um yeah i'm sure you'll have a great time in new york um what, what's your what's your tentative plan for your new york trip there yeah honestly i could not be looking forward to it more i'm so excited to get up and and kind of see everybody and, and hopefully there there are some guys there that you know that we've been talking with a lot throughout the year throughout you know it's been more than a year now that that i've been on the site um so i've really you know made some connections and i'm really excited to to kind of get a chat in person and and kind of get to know everybody a, a little bit deeper and obviously seattle is playing wednesday night so they'll have uh CONCACAF Champions League final, uh, leg two will be on, which we also will need to talk about a little bit here. Um, so that'll be really, really interesting. And then Toronto and Cincy are going to play their reverse fixture um, as well on Wednesday night. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. We are going to, um, he said it's like a five-a-side place, but they have like drinks and stuff as well. So it should be should be good fun. Um, hopefully I don't get embarrassed too much on the on the pitch, but we'll see. You know, sometimes you need to be embarrassed and humbled a little bit, right? Um, yeah. If you if you put a nutmeg on Nellis, I'll uh, I'll send you a limited card. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna try that, even if we're not playing. We'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's that's super cool. You guys got swag. I want some swag. Where's where's my swag at? Come on now. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, we gotta we gotta organize some more of this stuff through MLS and and get some get some so, jerseys. So get some, some national influence. Yeah, man. They got so. they got. They got tentacles all over the place. They got feelers everywhere. Um, so yeah, we, we, we just really quickly because we we're kind of running over a little bit here. We got Seattle. Obviously, we talked about big CCL final leg two coming up, um, and this is really a big deal. If, if you're just kind of casually following the MLS or, or you don't really know the history, the MLS has not won the Champions League in the current format. So they have it's it's been like twenty something years since an American team won the won what is amounts to the Champions League in North America. It's been dominated by MLS teams or I mean sorry Liga MX teams Mexican teams, 
The last team that actually did win it that was not from Mexico was Saprissa from Costa Rica in 2004. So Seattle with a big, big, big opportunity to kind of get that monkey off of MLS's back. They're going back home. 2-2 draw in the first game. Away goals don't matter, though, so they have to outright win or they'll go to extra time. Um, and this is a Pumas team that, from what we hear, is not the best in Liga MX. They're kind of a mid-table type team. And Seattle has been really focusing heavily on this competition. They've been rotating guys. They've been, you know, honestly almost not trying during their MLS start. So that's why their, their record looks so bad. But it'll all pay off if they can lift the trophy Wednesday night. So hopefully that will be a uh, a cool thing to get to see with some of the other you know big names like Nellis. Get to see hopefully them lift that trophy. I think it's a really late game too because it's in Seattle and I think it's a night game. But it should be absolutely packed. They're talking about 60,000 plus at that stadium. So it should be really, really cool. Um, what else do we have? So we have... Um, you know, honestly, Nashi, I, I don't know if the people noticed it, but we haven't had a guest on here yet today. Um, we did have a guest this week. We sat down with her a little bit for an interview. Um, she is a reporter uh, that covers Inter Miami. So we talked a lot about Inter Miami and, and just some of the things that they've been going through and some of the, the different pieces. We had some, you know, technical difficulties on the first half of the interview. So we didn't get that, but um, we'll just kind of go through. Uh, maybe your takeaways from the first half of that interview, and then we'll play the second half of that interview so that they can actually actually hear what uh, what she had to say about some of the other things. But what were your takeaways, Nashi, from from what she was saying about Miami? Yeah, well, we we kind of started out on um, talking about like the their recent obviously turnaround in form, but there's been some weird fallouts. We we've dialed in on Higuain because they have Campagna playing the nine, and he's his incredible form, and he's adding a new balance to the team. And now it leaves their most expensive player, their most recognizable player, Gonzalo Higuain, kind of in no man's land. He, he just doesn't fit into the style of play that they're going to proceed with. You know, more of a counter-attacking. Campagna's a big, strong, mobile guy. And it's been working really well for them um, the last few games. So we kind of asked her, like, well, is this a... Is this something that is like a new strategy from top to bottom through the club where they've decided, right, we're going to change our approach. We're going to change our not only way of playing on the field through Phil Neville, but they're bringing in some more younger dynamic players. And she was sort of going along with that. She was saying that they're in, coming into the league. They had like a strategy and it was bringing in these big names, these kind of older guys, but it didn't really work out for them. So they kind of find themselves pivoting. They changed sort of the strategy of the club the ethos on the field, but they're still kind of left over with um, Higuain and some of these old pieces from their initial strategy. So long story short, they're basically in a transition period. She said she will, Higuain will get on the field, but he's going to struggle to be kind of a starter if the team keep performing, just because he, he doesn't fit their tactically what they're trying to do and play like a counter-attacking team under Phil Neville. But, you know, he, maybe that suits him better. She was saying he can come on late in the game when the defense is a bit more worn down and his quality might be able to show through, find a bit more space. So, yeah, it seems like it's a club in transition, a team in transition a bit, but there's definitely some positives there. Um, what else did you pick up from the first part of the interview? Yeah, I think that was honestly the the big, big thing. She mentioned also, you know, Blaise Matuidi being one of those guys that kind of ruined the – 
old European type type player for them, and and that they got rid of Matuidi. Don't really want to go back to that style. Um, so we did ask her, you know, who who might be coming into the club because obviously Inter signed a ton of players this year. Like you said, a club very much in transition. Now that they've had kind of six months to kind of see where the roster is and and, and evaluate things, where are they really looking to go? And she mentioned um, actually a guy that, that I've heard of. I believe he plays for Ren, um, Benjamin Beauregard, as, as a possible new signing. She said there's there's some rumors floating around that that, that, that might happen. Um, and, and then we also talked a lot about young guys. And most of the young guys um, we actually did get in the second half of the interview. Um, but the one that we started off with that we did not get um, is Robbie Robinson. And we talked about kind of the start of his season um, his breakout, you know, into MLS, kind of how he's transitioned from being a striker in college to now, he's he's been playing more on the left wing for for uh, Miami, and uh, how he maybe fits in kind of going forward. And and she was really high. She said Neville had had really good things to say about Robbie and, and you know the start to his season. So um, she was very um, complimentary of him. And then we also um, kind of got into more of the. Um, we got more into the, you know, kind of lower tier players, I guess, more the more the nitty gritty, which I think is really, really cool when you get to talk to these reporters that fo- follow the team day in and day out. This is all they do. This They know, you know, everybody on the bench, they know kind of who to look out for. So um, we'll, we'll go ahead and play um, what she had said uh, for the second half of the interview. And we're back with our guest for this week. For this week, we have got... Um, a little bit of a different guest. We have a reporter for the Five Reasons Sports and the host of the Heron Outlet. Please welcome Alex Winley. Obviously, we're here to talk about Miami. Um, you're a reporter that obviously covers Inter Miami. It's great to have you on the pod, get a little bit of inside information from you. So we appreciate your time and, and coming on and everything. I know another player that we had kind of talked about maybe preseason um, and a guy that you were really high on that I really haven't heard anybody else be super high on, Emerson Rodriguez. He's had a few, you know, appearances off the bench this year. Um, where are we Where are we kind of with Emerson and, and is he kind of coming along? Is he, you know, behind where you expected, ahead of where you expected? How, how's he doing? Um, he's, um, coming along good. I would say I, I personally want Neville to start him a bit more. I think he's ready. I've watched him with, uh, inter Miami two, which is, uh, inter Miami's B team. He absolutely, you know, tore it up. I believe he scored a, uh, two goals a couple of weeks ago when he, the one inter Miami CF two were playing, um, I believe it was a Columbus crew. He's, he's, he's ready. He's, he's absolutely ready. He started against Miami FC in the U S open cup. He looks a proper player. He's a young DP for, or enter Miami. So he, he's definitely, he's ready. He's ready to go. I honestly, he, he, he deserves a starting, uh, you know, you know, he deserves a start in MLS at least uh, maybe this weekend we'll, we'll see him make an appearance, but um, yeah, I'm super high on him. So was Neville, but I would like to see Neville, you know, start him a, a bit more. Would he be over Lassiter or who, whose spot does he take? Um, honestly, he could play on both sides, but mainly Robinson. I know Robbie has, he struggled with injuries, uh, these last couple of years, so you know, if if he's feeling some hamstring tightness, I could see um, excuse me, um, Emerson Rodriguez, uh, you know, starting in that spot, um, um, in place of Robbie. Brilliant. Yeah, I was gonna say. So that was really great insight. You, there's been a big, clear change in form for the team. How high are your expectations? Are you still kind of managing it, or like, where are you looking now for this Miami team going forward? Are they really? found their momentum are they going to kick on from here what do you kind of think i do think they'll kick on from here i know 
um, they are susceptible to, you know, conceding really silly goals. So I think they need to clean up their defense a bit, but I think they found an attacking system that suits the players there um, that they're, that, you know, the team has. And once they, you know, you know, sort of clean up the, 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 you know, the silly bits that, you know, you know, they concede goals a lot. Um, once they, they clean that up and, and maybe have a bit more possession of the ball and maybe be a bit more um, clinical in front of goal. I do, I do think they'll, they'll carry on. I think these group of guys, they've really, you know, sort of bonded uh, these last couple of games, especially uh, this last week. It, it, they had what, three games in the last seven days with the U.S. Open Cup, you know, playing the Revolution um, in Seattle and then, you know, back to Atlanta. It was, yeah, I'll put a, a bit of a grind. So, um, yeah, I, I do think they'll kick on. Of course, they, they have to you know, tweak some things and, and get used to this formation. But I do think the more that they play in this 4-3-3, the more that Neville keeps the the players, uh, the personnel consistent. I think that they're just going to grow together chemistry-wise and, and you know, just, um, you know, continue to, to to go on and hammer on throughout the, the season and uh, uh, U.S. Open Cup as well. One last um, player that I want to talk about and kind of get your opinion on. We've had a lot of questions from our community about Bryce Duke. And how he fits into the team, obviously got got a little late start with the injury issues early on. Um, what's his role going forward? How does he fit? Is he someone that is really exciting or is he just kind of another piece for Phil Neville to use? Uh, yeah, he's an exciting piece right now um, with, uh, I mentioned the midfield three earlier with Taylor, Gregory, and John Mata. Um, he, he'll, he'll get his starts, I, I think, especially with uh, U.S. Open Cup and the amount of games that Miami are playing this season, he'll he'll get plenty of starts. He's he's still super young, but he's uh, he's got a high ceiling. You know, he scored the goal um, against Atlanta the other day, and you know I'm super high on him as well. He's one of the the young players on this this squad that you know um you know I discuss all the time because I think youth is the way to go, and especially in a league like MLS where you got to be quick and 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 physically a bit uh, faster than you know some other leagues. Um, I'm super high on Duke. He's a, a great player. You know, he's a snappy tackler. Um, you know, he, he's really good on the ball, technically good. So um, he'll definitely get his chances. He's not a starter at, as of yet, but um, as you saw against Atlanta, he'll he'll come on in the 60s minute um, and, 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 you know, just have an impact on the game, whether it is through an assist or a goal. I think he's a, uh, you know, he's a sub as of right now, but uh, you know, I can definitely see him starting um, U.S. Open Cup games like he did against Miami FC and other games when, you know, John Mata or Robert Taylor can go. Bryce Duke will be, uh, you know, getting more, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be getting minutes for sure, for sure. Awesome. Any other questions for Alex uh, Nashi? No, that was brilliant. Thanks for that, Alex. That was a great insight. Yeah, absolutely. Great information from Alex Winley. Uh, you can find her as a writer for the Five Reason Sports and a host of the Heron Outlet. Um, is there any other you know places that, that people can find you, Alex, or any other thing you want to plug? Uh, no, no, that's it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the Heron Outlet. Um, uh, my Twitter handle is AAW underscore 1998. I'll be tweeting everything from uh, Formula One to um, uh, MLS uh, Inter Miami. So um yeah that's that's my twitter handle and you can follow me at the heron outlet where we have a pod and post videos every so often as well awesome well really appreciate your time thanks for joining us and uh and uh have a great rest of your week thank you for having me on thank you thanks alex 
So I really want to thank Alex Winley for uh, coming over and doing the podcast with us. Really, really great insight. Hopefully we can get to talk to her a little bit more as the summer goes along and we get some more transfer rumors coming in and we kind of see how Miami's shaping up. We may have to have her back on. So really appreciate her time. You can find her on Twitter. She's a great follow. Always, uh, always keeping up with the lineups for everybody. Um, so just a few other things that we need to just quickly talk about. Um, Giassi Zardes gets traded from Colorado, or to Colorado, I should say, from Columbus. Second time he's been traded in his career. Do you, Nashi, do you know anything about Giassi Zardes? What, what do you think of this move? I mean, I haven't seen much of him on the field recently. He's obviously in a bit of a rough patch of form, but like rolling back a few years, even when I wasn't a big MLS not that I'd call myself a connoisseur now, but when I wasn't particularly into it, and from like a European standpoint, Zardes was one of them sort of iconic MLS American players. Like, I still knew Zardes even before I knew 99% of the other players in the MLS. I'm not sure whether it was because he was on the national team or just because he was kind of a standout player um, back then. But yeah, since I've been sort of indulging, he hasn't quite hit them heights. And I wonder whether because he was in the spotlight, he kind of got demotivated i'm not quite sure what happened but sometimes you know when these guys who definitely have been there and done it and they have the potential to be top players in in any given league sometimes a move can be the catalyst for them to regain sort of that inspiration and form so definitely be saying i'll be keeping an eye on kind of like nostalgically i hope he goes there and uh, takes off again i think it'll be kind of a cool story um yeah is there anything anything you got to add on him do you have any sort of predictions on how he's going to do yeah, I mean, I think we've seen this story play out before, right? Like, he was a, kind of a burst onto the scene with the LA Galaxy, uh, kind of hit a little bit of a dry patch and had some other guys kind of take his spot, gets traded well, kind of on the cheap to Columbus and kind of really took over Columbus and made Columbus his own and started just banging in goals in Columbus. So wouldn't be surprised at all to see Colorado kind of do the same thing. And from Colorado's perspective, this is phenomenal exactly what they needed they needed a number nine who could sit up top and occupy central defenders rubio is a good player but not a you know he's not going to run off the back shoulder he's more almost he's almost like a false nine he's almost more of a creative player and now i think they can actually play both of them in tandem and have giassi kind of occupying and, and free up some space for rubio to kind of do his thing so i think um actually might work out really really well for for rubio as well I'm excited to see guys like Jack Price have some, you know, have a little bit of a target to aim for in in the box. Hopefully that will pick his season up a little bit. Really just whole Colorado team just needs to uh needs to kind of pick it up <laughs> a little bit. And obviously to make room, Colorado trades Shinyashiki over to Charlotte, a guy that had broken onto the scene a few years ago but has really not been, you know, not not kind of found that form, not really been given that chance to to kind of shine. He'll move over to Charlotte, and, and we'll see what he can do. You know, keep your eye on him. If he if he starts to get a good run of form, starts to get some starts, then maybe we'll uh, we'll revisit uh, Andre Shinyashigi. But definitely a guy with some talent. Um, I think probably the last thing here that and, and this is something from last week actually. Um, we had John, who's from Predictology, who's our guest last week, and kind of given us a bunch of predictions. We wanted to kind of follow up with him and see you know where his predictions were. And then we also are going to kind of look ahead a, a, a little bit here. Um, so he had talked about Columbus uh, and, and kind of getting a good opportunity to play D.C., a team that gives up quite a few goals. And sure enough, Columbus boat raced us, 
picked up a 3-0 win. He actually highlighted Etienne Jr. as well, who did get on the score sheet. Um, so kudos to John for that one. He also talked about how Sporting Kansas City could score more goals. They were about half a goal below what we expected them to score. They ended up putting up two goals. Not a bad day. Only get the 2-2 draw, but they did at least score some goals. So interesting there. He, he talked about Philly coming into Nashville and kind of spoiling the party. As it played out, kind of did to a certain degree. Um, a draw is probably not what Nashville had in mind opening their stadium, but Nashville did kind of have the better of play and, and really probably should have won the game. So kind of a kind of a almost a draw on that pick, honestly. Like he he, he spoke about Nashville maybe being a pretty heavy favorite and not being able to come through. And sure enough, they don't come through. Um, no zero zeros. He he sent this over to me on Sunday night or, or Sunday morning. Sorry. Um, no zero zeros on Saturday, which we talked a lot, a lot about, and how we did not expect to see many scoreless games moving forward. And 70% of the games had at least three goals on Saturday. Um, so moving forward, we're going to get more of John's predictions. We're going to get him to kind of send it over. Um, if you are looking for more of the analytics piece and, and the the um, kind of data piece behind the teams, you can find all of this stuff at Predictology, which is the website, and then they also have um, their Twitter account. So looking forward, he really likes New York City as his best value to win this particular game week. They're playing Sporting Kansas City, a team that we talked about has been struggling quite a bit. Um, He really likes New York to come out on the front foot. He thinks they're going to win by two goals or more. So he says if you're lucky enough to have NYC attacking players, definitely get them on your stack, which I think... Them being expensive enough, if you own an NYC attacking player, you probably are going to be starting them. The other team he really likes is Charlotte, and this is why I love Predictology right here. Charlotte have the biggest improvement in home performances when compared to away performances. They are 65% better at home. Now, I know, Nashi, you just watched them play on the road in Orlando, and you said they kind of didn't look too great, or a little bit sluggish, and kind of lucky to not get boat raced. Um, but they do obviously fight very well. Coming back home, playing an Inter-Miami team, and we talked obviously with Alex earlier how they were kind of on a roll, um, did take the L this past weekend, and they picked up two red cards, which could be pretty crucial um, in this next game week against Charlotte. So he likes Charlotte to, uh, both offensively and defensive stacks, he likes Charlotte to be able to get things done. Um, So that is... um, the, the stats and analytics, that's our games of the week presented by Predictology. Um, any other you know thoughts or, or anything else that you wanted to add, Nashi, before we wrap things up? No, just uh, have fun up there in New York. Um, have a good time. Don't get in too much trouble. And, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be sweating a big big West Ham game this week. So uh, mm. a lot on the line for both of us. Exciting times. So, uh, yeah, enjoy it up there, mate. Yeah, I'm going to definitely enjoy it. Definitely looking forward to things. If there is a video of me getting nutmegged on Wednesday night, I want none of you to click on it and none of you to watch it. But we will talk about everything from New York City. We'll talk everything West Ham as well uh, next week. But until the next time, guys, have a good week. All right. Bye-bye.